Well, please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. A new chapter for us in our study. And if you're looking at your order of service, it says Luke 11, 1 to 2a. So you're going to make a great deal of progress. But I'm going to read for us um, verses 1 to... 13, because this is the section that we will be in for a couple of weeks, a few weeks, uh, on a series uh, on prayer. So follow along as I read those verses, starting in verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is the word of the living God. A couple of years ago, some friends of mine gave me a year-long membership to Masterclass. Uh, Masterclass is uh, a series of videos that are Uh, giving you personal instruction on various subjects by a professional in some area. And so, for instance, they have Martin Scorsese teaches filmmaking. I didn't watch that one. Uh, Penn and Teller teaches the art of magic. I watched a lot of those. (laughs) And uh, and I learned some great tricks. Uh, Steve Martin teaches comedy. Uh, Serena Williams teaches tennis. Steph Curry teaches shooting, ball handling, and scoring. Misty Copeland teaches ballet technique and artistry. Tony Hawk teaches skateboarding. Matthew Walker teaches the science of better sleep. And Gordon Ramsay teaches cooking. Watched a few of those as well. Uh, So uh, there's these professionals. and, And in each one of them, they will begin... Almost the same way, they'll say, you know, I'm Gordon Ramsay, and, and they'll talk about the cooking. And then at the very end, uh, they'll say this statement, I'm so-and-so, and this is my master class. And that's how they all begin their, you know, uniform. Well, as we come to Luke chapter 11, we have the ultimate master class. The master teaching us on prayer. This is Jesus' master class on prayer. What better instructor could you have in the art of prayer than the Lord Jesus himself. And so I've subscribed you to uh, this master class for the next few weeks for you to, uh, to hear and benefit from. And we are uh, beginning really a series on prayer in the Gospel of Luke. In our larger study of Luke, we're having a mini-series here on prayer because that's the next passage And I just didn't think I convicted you enough last week, so I thought I would preach on prayer uh, the following week. (laughs) Uh, No, actually, that's what the text is. And and isn't it fascinating that what you have is the end of chapter 10 has the priority of hearing the words of Christ, and then chapter 11 begins with praying. And Luke will emphasize this in Acts chapter 6 as well, the ministry of prayer and the word. And so these are just the bread and butter of our Christian life. And so... 
Having looked at the, the need for the intake of God's word regularly, we now see how we uh, express ourselves to God in prayer. Now, we come to what is a very familiar prayer. It's often called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, although uh, it is really the disciples' prayer that the Lord taught them, this is not a prayer the Lord could really pray in totality because he has no sins to have forgiven. Um, if you want the real Lord's Prayer, I guess you could say you could go to John 17, where you have Jesus' high priestly prayer, which is a prayer that we can't pray in its totality because he says, you know, restore to me the glory I had with you before the world began. Uh, that's not something I can pray, you know. But other things are great that you can pray in that prayer. And so you see that, uh, you might say that's the lo real Lord's Prayer that he would pray, but here's the Lord's Prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. And of course, it's very familiar to us. Now Luke um, gives this to us, and he, it's slightly different than the Lord's Prayer we find in chapter 6 of Matthew's Gospel. That's probably the more familiar one as far as phraseology. Uh, Luke's is somewhat different. This is a different occasion. That was during the Sermon on the Mount. This is at some other point uh, in Jesus' ministry. And it's very evident that Jesus taught some of the same things more than once uh, and in a slightly different way. And so we'll, we'll look at that a little bit more as we work through our passage and some of maybe what those differences are and why or why not uh, or whether they matter. What do I hope then comes from this series? Well, uh, in a series on prayer, I want to incite you to pray throughout our series. I want to interest you in prayer. I want to instruct you in prayer. I want to invite you to pray. And I want to integrate habits of prayer into your life if they're not already there. But before we really jump in, we must ask a basic question. What is prayer? What is prayer? Uh, well, thankfully, the Westminster Shorter Catechism has a great answer in question number 98 when it asks, what is prayer? And so the confession says, Quote, prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. End quote. A prayer really is worship. Prayer is communing with the triune God. Prayer is an expression of dependence upon God. Prayer is pouring out our hearts to God. Prayer is the posture of humility because it places us dependently upon God. Prayer is talking to God. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, prayer is the highest activity of the human soul. The highest activity of the human soul. Robert Murray McShane, he said this, quote, what a man is alone on his knees before God is what he is and no more. What a man is alone on his knees before God is what he is and no more. Of course, then I came across this, passage, this, uh, this quote from Francis Schaeffer about a week ago and had to include it. He wrote this in his book, True Spirituality. He says, quote, If I woke up tomorrow morning and found that all that the Bible teaches concerning prayer and the Holy Spirit were, were removed, what difference would it make in practice from the way we are functioning today? And he laments, he says, the simple tragic fact is that in much of the church, not, you know, just the church global, there would be no difference whatsoever. We function as though the supernatural were not there. And so what do we need? Well, we, we need a fresh look at how to pray. We are going to enroll in Jesus' master class. And at, like any of these master classes, there's also often some introductory matters and setting the foundation, setting the table for the series before you get into the details. And that's what we have this morning in our first message. And since this is the first uh, message in this series, uh, it just so happens that Luke focuses our attention on what we might call the interest in prayer. The interest in prayer. And we're going to look at really four parts, Lord willing, in the series. And we're going to look at first the interest in prayer then the intimacy of prayer, then the instructions on prayer, and then finally the incentives to prayer. Why pray? 
motivations. So first, we want to consider this morning the interest in prayer from verse 1 and just the beginning of verse 2, the interest in prayer. What, are, what we'll see in, in this short passage is two ways to stimulate your interest in prayer. Two ways to stimulate your interest in prayer. The first way to stimulate your interest in prayer is to imitate people of prayer. Imitate people of prayer. Look again at verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Jesus was a man marked by prayer. And Luke, among the gospel writers, especially highlights this reality, the prayer life of our Lord. Here's just some, uh, that what we have seen already by way of review up to where we are in Luke's gospel. If you go back to chapter 3, verse 21, we read, Now when all the people were, bap- when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. What you'll notice in Luke's gospel is he highlights Jesus praying at key moments along the way in his ministry. In chapter 5, verse 16, we read this, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. He got alone to pray. Chapter 6, verses 12 uh, and following, in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And the result of that was his choosing of the 12 disciples whom would be named apostles. So before this massive event, he, he spent an extended time in prayer. In chapter 9, verse 18, now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? Before this pivotal moment of asking them what they say about Christ, he is praying. And then in chapter 9, verse 28, Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And then we recently studied in chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus' prayer and rejoicing before the Father. In verse 21, in that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Actually, verse 22 is really a statement to them, but verse 21 is that prayer. And so we've seen time and again the Lord praying, getting alone to pray, praying impromptu prayers at key moments, praying uh, intense prayers for long periods of time. We just see this, this texture to his prayer life. Yet in this instance, in chapter 11, Jesus is praying and apparently his disciples are able to, able to listen in on his prayer. I mean, Jesus would, would leave them behind and go to get secluded and have time but, but this time, he's praying, and they can hear him pray. And so hearing Jesus' prayers enticed one of them to ask this question that we are all so thankful for, that he asked the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. They wanted to pray like Jesus. Just like people said, no one ever spoke like this man. It could equally be said about Jesus, no one ever prayed like this man. Jesus was the prince of prayers. Now, they knew that John the Baptist had taught his disciples how to pray. And we see kind of a reference to that in Luke 5.33. We're not told what he taught them to pray or how, but, but they're referencing that. Another man of prayer in their generation that they could think about, a model. And so they say, would you teach us like John taught his disciples? Teach us, Lord. We might say this, that Jesus illustrated what they wanted to imitate. They saw in Jesus something desirable. It was something they wanted to be able to do. Have you ever heard someone pray 
And it just drew you into communion with God. It, it, it made you want to pray better. I remember uh, late high school, into college, I was interning at the church I grew up at in the summers, and uh, we lived kind of far, this is the D.C. area, a lot of traffic, and uh, so it was like 40 to 45 minute drive, and I would, for a, for a while, I was listening to John Piper's sermon series through the book of Romans. It took him 10 years to preach through Romans. Uh, and so there were so many. And he, I would just put on one of these uh, sermons and listen to it. And it just helped me to grow in my knowledge of scripture. And, uh, but one of the things that most impacted me from these sermons, I still remember to this day, was his prayers. When he would pray, either before or after the sermon, there was just such a God-centeredness in these prayers. I just remember thinking, Man, I want to pray like that. I want to learn to pray in such a God-centered way. And then fast forward, and I go to seminary, move out to California, and, and uh, I remember being introduced to this concept of the pastoral prayer. I, maybe we had this, but I don't remember it the way that I saw it modeled uh, at the church we were at, where MacArthur would, would get up and he would pray for like five plus minutes. Just never seen something like that. And years later, of course, they, they, his sons uh, put together a compilation of some of their favorites over the years and uh, put it into a book form, At the Throne of Grace is its title. And just reading these prayers, oftentimes he would really just pray through the passage that they had just read in the corporate reading. But I just wanted to learn to pray like that. And, and models of prayer, people of prayer have that effect upon us. We, we pray with them or we hear someone else pray and we think, wow, I want to do that. I want to be able to pray like that. So Jesus illustrates what they wanted to imitate. And the disciple wanted to be taught as well. And what a teacher he had, the Lord Jesus. Now prayer, we might learn from this, is is often caught as, it, as well as it is taught. They heard Jesus pray and they learned from that. But then he would teach them as well how to pray better. This is what discipleship is all about, the imitation of Jesus Christ, imitating Christ. And of course, other disciples like Paul will say in the scriptures, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So in other words, in, insofar as my life is, is following the scriptures, then that may be something worthy of emulation. And so we, we find people who are more mature than us and we say, wow, that aspect of their lives is, is something that helps me put flesh on this concept and see how it's to be done. How he talks to his wife, that, that is so helpful for me to model after that or how she cares for her home and, or how they are with their children. Wow, that is so practical and helpful for me. I need to do that. And we see that in different areas. And here's an area where this disciple saw it in Jesus. They saw his prayers and they wanted to pray like him. Here are some other models of prayer besides John the Baptist and Jesus that would interest us in prayer. Well, the scriptures are full of these. Abraham is an early example of prayer as he intercedes for others. Moses, on multiple occasions, prays for the people. He stands in between God and the people as like an intercessor, a mediator. One of my favorite Old Testament prayers is the prayer of Hannah in 1 Samuel 2. She's praying, pouring out her heart for a child. David in 2 Samuel, as well as in the Psalms. Most of the Psalms are David, Davidic Psalms and our prayers themselves. David talks about how three times a day I pray. And then another passage, seven times a day I pray. Solomon in the dedication of the temple in 1 Kings chapter 8 is a, is a great prayer. Elijah, Elisha praying. Hezekiah, as the Assyrian army is surrounding Jerusalem, threatening them, he pours out his heart to God, asking for help. We don't have the details of this one, but Manasseh's prayer is what we are told about, even though we don't have the specific words, in 2 Chronicles 33, he was the most wicked king of Israel. At the end of his life, he repented. He called out to God and humbled himself. We see his prayer of repentance described. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, ministering to Israel, prayers. Daniel, uh, Daniel is another master class in prayer. Daniel chapter 9, as he prays 
uh, as he's in Babylon, as he's reading the scriptures and realizes that God had said 70 years and they would return back to the land of Israel. And he says, oh man, he's doing his devotions in Jeremiah 25. And he goes, oh, we're close. Carry the one. You know, it's like, and he goes, Lord, do it. Do it. And he starts praying. And well, God has promised he's going to do it already. But Daniel goes, yeah, that's exactly why I'm going to pray. Because this is God's will. Lord, remember your promise and make it happen. And he begins to pray and, and repent. And, and at the result of that prayer is one of the greatest prophecies in the Bible. Daniel's 70-week prophecy. It like pinpoints the, the time of Jesus is entering into Jerusalem to uh, be hailed as king, uh, the triumphal entry, most likely. And, 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 so, and then, of course, the future final 73. And it's just this incredible answer to prayer. So Daniel is an incredible model of prayer. Nehemiah is a great model of prayer to, for us to be interested in prayer. In chapter 1, Nehemiah gives us an example of intentional prayer, focused prayer. Like the times when you get away and you're just, I'm just going to focus on prayer. And he, he's burdened over the condition of Israel. They need to return. They need to rebuild the, the walls. And so he's the cupbearer of the king. And so he takes some focused time in prayer. Then you get to chapter 2, and he's standing before the king, and the king's asking, what's wrong? What's, what's upset? What, what's bothering you? What, what would you like? And it says, and he prayed to God. It's just like, SOS. And it's this impromptu prayer. And so Nehemiah gives us this great model of the two kinds of prayer we should have in our lives. This intentional prayer that's maybe longer and focused with the Lord, and an impromptu prayer that's just like, Lord, help. <laughs> help right now. And, and that's what he does. He, he had the foundation of this, what he wanted before the Lord, and then he gets the moment to, he's got to say something to the king, and so he says, Lord, help me. <laughs> and then he says it. He doesn't have time to go, excuse me, king, let me go pray for two hours and I'll be back. You know, it's like one of those things when, when you know something is God's will and someone says, you know, will you do this? And you're like, let me pray about it. Yes, you know. <laughs> so that is Nehemiah, great example. Many others, many, many others. Think about the apostle Paul and his prayers throughout the epistles. We get instruction on how to pray, how a godly saint in the new covenant prays. Listen to J.C. Ryle on the power of prayer. He says, prayer opened the Red Sea. Prayer brought water from the rock and bread from heaven. Prayer made the sun stand still. Prayer brought the fire from heaven on Elisha's sacrifice. Prayer turned the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Prayer overthrew the army of Sennacherib. Well might Mary, Queen of Scots, say, I fear John Knox's prayers more than an army of 10,000 men. Prayer has healed the sick. Prayer has raised the dead. Prayer has procured the conversion of souls. And of course, we know that prayer is so powerful, not because of prayer in and of itself, but because of the God to whom we pray. He is the one who activates and answers these prayers. The early church in Acts is a great example, praying. Sometimes their own prayer shocked them when they prayed and, and for Peter in prison, and he gets out. The angel opens the prison doors, and he shows up at the door, and they're like, there's no way. Peter's not. They don't even believe their own prayers. I mean, and, and then they come in, they're like, what? God answered our prayer. Go figure. And then we could look at through church history. I recently got a book, that's so long ago, The Fount of Heaven. It's a book on prayers of the early church. Augustine and others, just so good. Augustine's book, Confessions, The Confessions, is like the first autobiography. And it is a prayer. It is written in the form of a prayer. The whole book is. It's him just praying to God, but it's his biography. The Reform, Reformation brought about a great deal of focus in helping people to pray. You fast forward from there, you have men like David Brainerd who uh, had a close relationship with Jonathan Edwards. He had a great interest in Jonathan Edwards' daughter. Uh, he wanted to likely marry her. She cared for him in his last days. He had tuberculosis, and, uh, but he died at an early age, his late 20s, 29, I believe, but a man of prayer and um, Edwards took his, posthumously, and took his diary and published it. And you have many of his prayers there that he would write down. And just incredible. Robert Murray McShane, Scottish pastor, we quoted earlier. Great man of prayer. E.M. Bounds, Power in Prayer. Wrote a great book and, and just talking about others in prayer. Uh, Susanna Wesley has this story about her and in her biography about how, you know, she's got kids running all around, all over the place in the house. And, and they said she would put her apron over her head when she was praying, and it was like the signal to the children, do not disturb, you know, <laughs> mom is praying, and she would just put her apron over her head in the middle of the mayhem and chaos, I don't know, it was probably a pretty well-run ship, but, uh, and she would pray. George Mueller, we mentioned last week, an incredible man of prayer, just seeing like thousands of answers to prayer that he recorded. 
There's one, his orphanage and, uh, that he ran, and one day they didn't have enough food for the next day, and he didn't know, so he just, he just didn't tell anyone. He just prayed, prayed God would provide. And the next day, here comes the milkman, or here comes the, the baker, and he says, you know what, last, last night I just thought, I should, I should make a bunch of bread for you guys. And so I got up in the night and started baking bread, and here it is, I brought it to you. And then the milkman like broke down, and his milk was going to spoil, and so he's like, I, I, gotta, I gotta unload all this stuff, so I'm gonna give it to you guys. And they just, they had, the food that they always had. And God answered his prayers. Just incredible answers to prayer. Thomas Harry, I believe you say his name is, uh, A.W. Tozer writes about him and calls him the praying plumber of Lisburn. The praying plumber, a simple godly plumber of Ireland who became noted for many and great answers to prayer and his unusual commitment to prayer. Charles Simeon, I read this and he just like blew me away. Uh, preacher in, in England, from four to eight in the morning would pray. Martin Luther prayed uh, apparently like two hours each day, and on, on extra busy days, he would add another hour. Oh, I'm extra busy today. I should pray an extra hour. You're just like, what? You know, the way I hear some of those stories, sometimes I think about it like this. Have you ever heard of a story of someone who like runs a marathon at like a, like a four-minute mile pace or something like insane like that, and they keep it up the entire time? Like, that's how I hear some of these stories. I'm like, what? But, of course, they built that endurance over an entire lifetime. They, didn't, they weren't born that way. They, they worked it at that. And, of course, that's not necessarily a model for all of us, so we ought not to be just overly convicted by that. We have different times and places. But what a commitment that these men had in prayer. They built this lifetime endurance to get there. But one of the greatest models of prayer is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And there are many lessons from his life that we can learn. He prioritizes prayer life. I mean, who is busier than Jesus? I mean, he is just constantly, people are seeking out his attention, trying to get him. He has to sneak away to go pray. And yet we read in Mark 1.35, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Matthew 14.23, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Those passages we read in Luke indicate the same thing. He prayed for long periods and short periods. I mean, he had these focused times of prayer all night and then other, for key moments and then other times where he's just praying before a key moment, giving thanks or modeling this long and short periods. He was constantly praying throughout his life at key moments all the time. His prayer was communion with the Father. And you see, he's constantly referring to God as his Father. Except one time when, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me on the cross? We see especially this in John 17, this high priestly prayer. You see the communion there between them. In other words, he's welcoming and showing us the sweetness of prayer, the, the relational nature of prayer. He submitted his will to the Father in prayer in the garden or at the, at the place called Gethsemane and, and he's submitting his human will to the divine will. He prays God's will for others that their faith would not fail. He ever lives to make intercession for the saints that they would persevere till the end, those whom the Father has given to him. He prays according to God's will. There's many other things we could say. Do you want to be more like Jesus this year? I do. Uh, then we must imitate his prayers. We must seek to imitate his life of prayer. Now, of course, we fall far short, and this is why we need a savior, right? But he just interests us. I want to pray like that. I want to have such a relationship with God. What better person to learn from than Jesus, the one who has known communion with the Father from all eternity? Michael Reeves says this. He has a tiny, tiny little book, booklet, called Enjoy Your Prayer Life, yellow little book. He says this, quote, the son then is the first prayer. Just imagine that really great British accent, you know, as, as I read this. <laughs> the son then is the first prayer and the salvation he brings is a sharing of his own communion with the father. Prayer is learning to enjoy what Jesus has always enjoyed. That just makes you want to pray. That just makes you want to go say, yeah, oh, I want to enjoy that. I want to pray. I want to pray right now. And so Jesus, he incites them to pray by his own example. This is the first way we stimulate 
our interest in prayer, imitate people of prayer. Imitate people of prayer. A second way to stimulate your interest in prayer is to incorporate a pattern for prayer. Incorporate a pattern for prayer. Look at the beginning of verse 2. And he said to them, when you pray, say. Okay, and then he gives them this, this, really, this pattern. This pattern for prayer. And it begins, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us, this each, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. First of all, notice that Jesus says, when you pray. He assumes that you will pray. He assumes his disciples will pray. A disciple who does not pray is a contradiction. Christians pray as humans breathe. If you're alive then, to God, then you pray. Thomas Watson writes this, A godly man cannot live without prayer. A man cannot live unless he takes his breath nor can the soul unless it breathes forth its desire to God. As soon as the babe of grace is born, it cries. No sooner was Paul converted that, behold, he prayeth. Acts 9, verse 11. J.C. Rouse says the same thing in his, his booklet, A Call to Prayer. All the children of God on earth are alike in this respect. From the moment there is any life and reality about their religion, they pray. Just as the first sign of life in an infant when born into the world is the act of breathing, so the first act of men and women when they are born again is praying. This is a great little booklet. It's short. Uh, I read it yesterday, last night. Uh, again, oh, I don't know if I'd read it before, but it was so good. Uh, I felt like I'd read it for the first time. Uh, it, it's a call to prayer, J.C. Ryle. He starts the, the booklet this way. He says, I have a simple question. Do you pray? Do you pray? Here's what he says. The question is one that none but you can answer. Whether you attend public worship or not, your minister knows. Whether you have family prayers in your house or not, your relations know. But whether you pray in private or not is a matter between yourself and God. And so Jesus assumes that we will pray. And so when we pray, he gives us somewhat of a model here there's something we learn here about what he says. There is something about prayer that can be improved upon. While it is so natural like breathing, it is something that we can grow in and improve in. It is not only caught by example, but also taught by instruction. Now, notice what Jesus did not say to them. He did not respond to them by saying something like, well, you know what, you just can't teach prayer. Some people got it and some people don't, you know? Uh, sorry, guys. Or he didn't say something like weird new agey, like just, you know, just sit around, just clear your head, don't think about anything. And then whatever just comes to your mind, just say. You know, it's like, no, fill your mind with scripture is actually the model of scripture uh, that we fill our minds with truth and that then spurs us on to pray according to God's will. No, he, he teaches them. He says, let me teach you. Let me, let me instruct you in this way. People need to be taught to learn how to pray. Think about uh, another simple exercise, like running, right? People don't have to be taught how to run. Uh, they, they can do it, right? They can run. I mean, babies, of course, they have to crawl, and then they walk, and then they run. I mean, not all of us run as well, right? But everyone can, can run. But you can be taught how to run better, Right? People do track and field. They get coaches, and they're coached about how to run better, how to run faster, how to have a better form. And, and so you, we understand that. And, and it's no different with prayer. We, we all know somewhat how to pray, but there is certainly need for instruction so that we might grow. So it is with prayer. To pray well, you need instruction and imitation. And this is what we have in the Lord's Prayer. Now, I mentioned earlier that the Lord's Prayer is given here in Luke 11, it's given in Matthew 6. And we're more familiar with the Matthew 6 one uh, because of songs and the, when it's recited, it's usually recited in the Matthew 6 form. Like, for instance, some of the differences, instead of just Father, it's our Father. Uh, and then it says, who art in heaven and hallowed be your name. So Luke just says, Father, hallowed be your name. Or Jesus, uh, Luke, recording Jesus' words, has him saying, Father, hallowed be your name. Uh, your kingdom come, and then notice 
Luke doesn't include your will be done. And then there's some other minor differences as well, but you can see there's slight differences. Now, why the differences? Well, we already said it's likely that Jesus taught this on multiple occasions, so he, he maybe didn't say it exactly the same. But actually, I think this is where this is a practical point of application because Jesus did not intend this prayer to be something that we just pray in a rote kind of way, right? That we just get the exact words and we just say those words like a mantra. You know, that is not Jesus' intention. And one of the ways we can see that is because he teaches them how to pray in this way and they are very similar, but they are different. They are not exactly the same. And so it, it, it leads us to realize that this is not so much a rote prayer, but a roadmap for prayer. The fact that it is not verbatim tells us he's more concerned about teaching a pattern for prayer than he is giving a word-for-word prayer to recite. Phil Riken says the Lord's Prayer is a model, not a mantra. So Jesus, in other places, and especially in Matthew 6, before teaching on prayer, he, he warns against vain repetition in prayer. And there's nothing wrong with actually praying the words of the Lord's Prayer or any other prayer in Scripture, but it could become a vain repetition if you just think, I just need to repeat these exact words, and that is somehow special. What, what we see in this pattern, and we'll get more into this in detail, but just notice the basic structure of it. It starts with God, and then it moves towards our needs. We might say that Jesus first instructs us to exalt God before we entreat God, putting God first before rushing into our wants and needs. He, he starts by saying, Father, the way we address God. Then he says, hallowed be your name, or sanctify your name, God, your, your, your character, your perfections. Your, your name refers to his person. Your kingdom come. It is thinking about God's purposes in the world. And then it moves to very practical things in our own lives, our provision. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us on into temptation. So I don't know about you. I'm very prone to just jumping into prayer and just, Lord, do this, and just giving all my requests. And of course, at times, that's not completely wrong. But as a model, as a pattern, it is so much more helpful as Jesus models for us to begin with God uh, because what it does is the requests that we ask and the problems that we're facing, they get shaped and colored by the God to whom we're praying. We can forget who it is that we're praying to. And so one of the really important lessons Jesus gives in, in this prayer is start with God because that will color your prayers. It will shape the requests that you make. It will, in your trial that you're bringing to the Lord, you're pouring out your heart, it will remind you of the the loving character of God. And so we remind ourselves of God's perfections and who he is. It reminds us of the big God to whom we are praying. And so he gives them these instructions. There is an ordering here. Think about like files on your computer. I don't know if you're a person that, you know, you see your desktop screen and there's like a thousand, you know, you, you, there's like so many files everywhere. I like to have a little clean, you know, just a few files and you open that and there's a bunch of other files. You open that, a bunch of other files. In fact, I was trying to find the best app on my phone to like keep notes and then someone was like, just use the notes app, the Apple notes app that comes free on, on your phone. Sorry, Android users. But, but I, then I started watching YouTube videos on how to use the notes app better and, uh, and there's like a bunch of videos on it and I was like, this thing is incredible. It's totally free. And there's like, you could do a subcategory and another subcategory and subfiles, subfiles. And so over like a month, I, I just put it in my to-do list, 15 minutes every day organizing your files on your notes app. And so I would just spend 15 minutes. I set a timer. When the timer was up, I would stop. And over the course of about a month, I was able to take all these like hundreds of random notes, delete a bunch of them and categorize them now. So where now I have like this you're like, you're a weirdo, you know, like, uh, but I organize them into these categories, and now I can find stuff so much better, and when I have a new note, I just pop it in, it's not this cluttered mess. Are, are you a person who has, like, 10,000 uh, emails in your email box right now? It's like, you know, yeah, yeah, okay, I've got, like, four right now, <laughs> um, so I archive a lot of them, so anyway, so, so this is the ordering, and this is what this prayer kind of does for us. It is like categories. It's like files, file folders, where you can organize your prayers and your thoughts. And so you can put them in these files and categories. It helps you to be orderly in your prayer. It helps you to be balanced. It helps you to be biblical. Prayer, it is so easy for us to become so distracted and just, and you just, have you ever driven somewhere and you got there and you didn't know how you got there? 
you're just like, I'm here. I'm glad I didn't kill anyone because I don't remember driving here. You know, I just went on, what did you do? You went on autopilot, right? You were on autopilot. Maybe you did that this morning for church. But uh, <laughs> I've done that before and you're just so used to this, the road and you're like, click, just daydream, whatever. Sometimes we can pray like that. Have you ever prayed autopilot prayers? You just start saying like, Christian terms and just saying stuff. And you know what? I've prayed like that and I stop and I'm like, what am I doing? I've repented of that. I've gone, Lord, what am I doing? Forgive me. I'm just saying meaningless nothings to you. Please help me to focus now in prayer. And it just kind of sets me again. And it's like, that's so easy to happen. It happens to me all the time. Uh, I wish it didn't. But we have to focus our prayers. And so this is a helpful way to categorize our prayers. So just think through some kind of model. You don't have to always use the Lord's Prayer, but it is a helpful um, template for our prayers. Learning this prayer, at least its structure, is kind of like learning drum rudiments or scales on the piano or the guitar or an instrument. They're not songs in and of themselves, but they are the stuff that makes for great music, right? If you work at those basics, then later they're so comfortable with them that you can start to incorporate them more naturally in fluidly, as in your own personal style, so to speak, and it's just natural. But it can take work at it, and you're just, you know, or like playing yourself, and, and you're learning how to do that, but it's making you more comfortable at the basics, at the fundamentals. So if you learn this prayer, it allows you to use it like those scales, and you can play the instrument of prayer, so to speak, and you, you feel more comfortable and more natural in prayer, and so more spontaneous in your prayer. Of course, there's other categories and models that we can use to organize our prayer times. One of the more famous ones is acts, uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, or um, for kids, I like to say, you know, A stands for the attributes of God, who God is, Um, confession, easy, confession, C for confession, T for thanksgiving, and then S is um, say what you want, say what you need, you know, instead of supplication, it's not really a word a lot of kids know. So, uh, say what you need, say what you want. And so, that's a helpful category to work through as well. Also, I've heard of praying in concentric circles, right? Start with God, move out to yourself, move out to your close family, your immediate family, then other family, maybe your church family, uh, your, your community, your, your work, uh, your nation, the world, missionaries, you know, you're just kind of working out in concentric circles. I mean, there's just all these ways we're trying to help ourselves to be more orderly in our prayers and not be distracted. These are two ways that we can secure greater interest in prayer, that we can be stimulated in our interest to prayer, imitate people of prayer, and incorporate a pattern of prayer in our lives. Peter Beskendorf was a barber in Germany. In fact, he was Martin Luther's barber. And Martin Luther showed up one day to get a haircut. And as he's getting a haircut, uh, Peter asked Luther, man, I've heard you pray. And I just, I want to learn to pray better. I want to learn to pray like you. How can I learn to pray better? And Luther's like, why don't you just focus on cutting my hair right now? I'll think about it. <laughs> and he doesn't say anything. And he leaves in his a while before he hears back from him. And, and Luther eventually comes back with a booklet that he wrote for Peter, Master Peter. And he calls it a simple way to pray. And among other things that he writes, he says, hey, use certain passages and prayers in the Bible as like a template, as a model for prayer. He says, use the Ten Commandments. Memorize them and then kind of just pray through them. Don't, not verbatim, but just use them as a launch point. The Lord's Prayer. Memorize the Lord's Prayer, Peter, and then use it to, as a springboard to get your thinking in a certain direction and then pray about those areas. And so that's what he did. He wrote this booklet, A Simple Way to Pray for One Man and has benefited many others. So this is what the Lord's Prayer is. This is a template for prayer. In the weeks to follow, we will, we will open it up more and see how beautiful it is and how helpful it is for us. Luther inspired Peter by his prayers as Jesus did for his disciples' prayers. And Luther, like Jesus, taught this man the Lord's Prayer as a template for prayer. So how do you stimulate your interest in prayer? Imitate people of prayer. Incorporate a pattern of prayer. Now, I want to give you a practical assignment for implementation. 
this is a, you can do it or not. This is where, you know, the preacher gives a suggestion. You know, this is not law. This is not you have to do this. This is just an application that you could do. I want to encourage you to do it, though. Um, think about, I don't know if you've ever learned a foreign language or, or t- tried to. Um, you start learning vocabulary words. You start learning grammar and syntax, and it's difficult. But what, what really helps you to solidify and get it down is actually by trying to speak it right? To actually try to put together sentences and words. And a musical instrument is that way. You know, I like watch someone on YouTube and I'm like, whoa, how do they do that? They're so good. And then, but eventually you got to stop watching the video and you got to start trying to do it and try to play. Anything is like that. And so the best way we can learn to pray better is to pray, right? So just start praying, put it into practice, not just keep, I'm, I'm the kind of person, I've told you this before, I'll just like, I just need to read another book on prayer. That's what I need to do. No, Robert, you just need to pray. You know, you have plenty of information in your head. And so that, that's what we need to do. And so I want to encourage you and just be incredibly practical about how to maybe apply some of these things. Here is your mission, should you choose to accept it. During the month of March, we will be in this series on prayer, except for Easter, the last Sunday of this month. I think we'll be done with the series by then, Lord willing. Um, some of you don't believe me, but uh, I, here's what I want you to do. Some people say it takes around 30 to 40 days to establish a habit, you know, something like that. Um, and so maybe this will help you towards that end. If you're not already praying uh, in a habitual way, if you are, and you're like, oh, this is like so basic, then, okay, then just keep doing what you're doing. Great. But um, during the month of March, while we go through this series, I want to encourage you to pray for just at least 10 minutes every day, okay? 10 minutes every day. And this will help you to establish a habit of prayer that you can build upon. Your assignment, then, will be by the end of today, if you want to do this, this is optional, okay? If you want to do this, by the end of today, by the end of Sunday, you have decided on a time any place that you're going to pray for 10 minutes every day, okay? Fine, it's got to work for you, all right? So it may not be early morning. It may be morning. It may be at night. It may be in the midday. Maybe your lunch break. Whatever it is, you find, okay, this is going to be the best time, undistracted. I can get away. I can be focused in prayer for 10 minutes, okay? And then here's what you should do, an extra bonus. Take your phone. If you've got a smartphone, which you probably do, you know, and make, it, make a reminder at that point of the day, just like you would if you had a lunch appointment, and you say, okay, pray, and you put it, block it out for those 10 minutes, and then set an alert on your phone so that it buzzes or rings at that moment so that you're reminded. If you need help to do that, come talk to me or any youth here. Uh, they will help you do that. So that's another way to kind of remind, oh, I forgot. Yeah, okay. You know, after like day 20, you'll probably remember, but in the first couple of days, it, it may be harder. So do that. That might be helpful. And tr- make it a consistent time and place that will make so much less friction to doing it. But you need one other thing. You need a consistent plan. What are you going to do? What are you going to pray about? And I'm going to provide that for you. Now, you can do whatever you want, but I'm just going to provide something if you want something. Over the next week, so this series, I'm going to send out on Team Reach um, for every day of the week a passage of Scripture to pray through. Now, in 10 minutes, you're not going to be able to pray through this whole passage. So there's plenty to, to pray. If you, and and here's, the, here's the idea. You read the passage, um, and you, maybe you read it all in once, first, or you just read it verse by verse, and what the Lord brings to your mind about prayer from this prayer, you just use that as a springboard to pray in those categories, right? So, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Lord, thank you that you shepherd my soul. Lord, I'm a husband. Help me to shepherd my family well today. Help me to lead my wife well. Teach my kids in the way that you would want, like Deuteronomy 6, Lord, I'm a, I'm a shepherd of the church. Lord, help me to be a faithful pastor in the conduct of my life and the content of my message. Okay, I don't know. I can't think of anything else. Okay, uh, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in grief. And then you just pray the next verse. So when you run out of stuff to pray, just go to the next verse. And if you're like, mm, I don't know what to do here, just keep skipping, skipping until you find something juicy in the prayer. And then you just turn that into your prayer, right? And then when the 10 minutes are up, just set a timer if you want. Set a timer for 10 minutes. I guarantee at some point, you'll be like, I need to pray for longer. You know, it's like, but just do 10 minutes. 10 minutes is what you need to do, okay? And I'm gonna give you those. Each week, I'm gonna theme them. I've already got these all worked out for like 40 days, right? So um, we'll maybe only do 30. So uh, I think this week, we'll do Psalms. I'm gonna give you seven Psalms, Monday, Tuesday. I'm gonna send them out all at once, right? And so you'll have every day what you need. The next time, we'll do like Old Testament prayers. We'll do the prayers of Paul. We'll do patterns for prayer, like Acts and the Lord's Prayer and things like that. So these are, this is the goal. And so we'll work through this. And how cool will it be is 
Everyone, it, well, everyone, uh, a lot of people <laughs> likely will be praying the same passage that you're praying as you work through this through the week. So that's my challenge for you, 10 minutes a day. Um, and I think this will just tremendously bless you and help you and just develop a pattern if it's not already there in your life. Um, you don't have to do it, but it's a suggestion for building that in, and I'm looking forward to it, uh, to praying with you. So look out for that on the Team Reach app, and we'll send that out. I'll give you more ins- review instructions on that. So I hope that's a help to you. I just thought of that driving the other day, and I was like, this will be fun. This will be great. It'll be good for our church. So praying the scriptures will help you stay focused. All right, why, why do it like this? Well, I found this quote of John Piper, two of them, one hurts, the other is just kind of helpful. He says this, he he tweeted this out a while ago, years ago, he says, quote, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Okay, that was the hard one. This is the helpful one. He says, Unless I'm badly mistaken, one of the main reasons so many of God's children don't have a significant life of prayer is not so much that we don't want to, but that we don't plan to. If you want to take a four-week vacation, you don't just get up one summer morning and say, hey, let's go today. You won't have anything ready. You won't know where to go. Nothing has been planned. But that is how many of us treat prayer. We get up day after day and realize that significant times of prayer should be a part of our life. But nothing's ever ready. We don't know where to go. Nothing has been planned. No time, no place, no procedure. And we all know that the opposite of planning is not a wonderful flow of deep, spontaneous experiences in prayer. The opposite of planning is the rut. If you don't plan a vacation, you will probably stay home and watch TV. The natural, unplanned flow of spiritual life sinks to the lowest ebb of vitality. There is a race to be run and a fight to be fought. If you want renewal in your life of prayer, you must plan to see it. And so, let's seek to renew our prayer. Maybe you're, maybe you're just solid and praise God and just can excel still more. I think all of us would want to say we want to grow more in our prayers. So, however you do it, whether you do this, you do something else, let's, let's realize that what a privilege it is to prayer. What a joy it is to pray. What a pleasure to pray. And so, let us draw near to the throne of grace this, this month and uh, as, a, as a pattern for a, a launch point for our, our lives to be people of prayer. Let me pray in that regard. Lord, we confess our prayerlessness, our struggles to pray with consistency, with intentionality, with faith, Lord. How frequently we, we, we pray faithless prayers. Faith is, has been said is like the, faith through our prayers is like the, the feathers on the arrow. They help it reach its mark. When our prayers are combined with faith, they are more accurate. And Lord, we, we ask that you would grant us believing prayer, uh, consistency in prayer. However we do it, Lord, help us to be drawn closer to you. Be interested in prayer by the model we see of the Lord Jesus, of others in our lives. And Lord, may we be helped by this model of prayer and the Lord's prayer, as well as other things and other prayers in scripture. And that it would spur us on to want to draw near to you. We know, we know it's true that this is so vital, this is so important, and yet it is so hard for us. And we know that in part because the, sin, uh, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil are all in agreement to keep us from praying. And the world is set up to hinder us from prayer. But Lord, we know by your spirit, you can move in us, incite us in this way. So help us to be a people of prayer, to be a church of prayer, to be individuals of prayer. And Lord, may we benefit greatly from it with closer communion with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's sing Jesus Paid It All to